Today is Palm Sunday. Uh, it's the beginning of Holy Week. Holy Week is one of my favorite weeks in our Christian calendar, my favorite weeks in the year. We just get a time to, to just really focus on God, focus on Jesus and his sacrifice for us. Holy uh, means set apart. This is a week that is set apart. This is a week that is unlike any other week. It is a week that is different in our lives. It's time that we, we set aside, we set it apart, we celebrate, we reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus for us, we, re- we reflect on the love of God that was shown to us. It's just a time to, time to reflect. It's exciting for me because during this week, everyone pays attention. The whole world pays attention. You've got TV shows and TV series this week that are dedicated to Jesus and his life. You've got, it's in the newspapers, you see it on the news, you see it everywhere that this is, this is Easter week. People all over the world know what it means when it is Easter week. All eyes turn to Easter, whether they believe or they don't believe. There is an opportunity out there to hear the name of Jesus to learn about his life, to see some of the things that he did. And I, I just think it's so, so powerful. And not only is it just out there, not only is it just in, in plain sight for anybody to see, there is something about Easter that just calls people to come. They come on Good Friday. They come on Sunday. You talk to some people, they'll come in on Sunday. They don't even know why they're here. But they know they're supposed to be. Because it's Easter. There's just something special about this week. There's something special about this season. Something special about this time. There's also kind of a flip side to that. Right? Easter is, is we get really excited about Easter. And I would say to the extent that we get excited about Easter, Satan, the enemy, gets really not excited about Easter. Because Easter is the time where, where we celebrate that he's defeated, that sin is defeated, that he, is, he has no power over us anymore, that we, we win. This is Easter. This is the gospel. But what happens is we have these people, they come into Easter and they see the beauty of the church. Not just the, not just the building. Uh, we have a beautiful building, we have a beautiful cross. They come and they see the beauty, but not just that, they see, they see the beauty of the atmosphere. They see the beauty of, of the love and the unity that we show as disciples, as people who follow Jesus. And they think to themselves, I want that. I want what they have. And there's a whisper in their ear. Not from us, not from God, but from the evil one who says, you can't live up to it. Christianity is about a set of do's and don'ts. It's about a bunch of rules that you cannot live up to. You will never live up to the what they are calling you to do. And so they try for a couple weeks. They try to live up to it. They try to, to do the religion. They try to, try to live up to the rules and, the, and all these things, the expectations. And then a couple weeks later, they realize that and I can't do it. And so they leave and they quit. What's sad about that is not that, they, not that they leave, not that they have kind of leaving what God has for them, because I don't think they ever found that. But, but what's sad about that is, is they feel like, like our, our faith is about more about the do's and the don'ts and the rules than it is about the relationship. What is it that we always say? We, we say this all the time. Our, our Christianity is not about rules. It's not about, uh, it's, it's not about uh, gosh, what was it? It's not about rules. It's about what? 
relationship. Right? It's not about uh, a set, uh, a list of do's and don'ts. It's not about kind of regulations. It's not about kind of all of those things. It's about a relationship. Easter is about a relationship. Easter is called the most religious week of the year. Honestly, I think we can shift that. Easter is by far the most relational week of the year. I just want to just spend some time this morning just talking through Palm Sunday into the into kind of the beginning of Easter, leading into Good Friday, and just share with you how this week just just proves to us. This week shows us the relationship that God wants to have with us and the lengths that He went to have it. That's what this week <clears throat> is all about. I want to kind of refocus us this week, uh, starting right now, about this relationship. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 21. We're going to read this morning the story of Palm Sunday. Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 1. <clears throat> this is the, the typical Palm Sunday passage, if you will. If you're in one of our pew Bibles, it's on page uh, 847, Matthew chapter 21, starting at verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. We'll stop there this morning. I just want to give you a little bit of background <clears throat> on this. How do we get to this time when Jesus comes down the mountain, rides into Jerusalem on a donkey, and people are, are shouting to him, Hosanna, Hosanna to the Son of David, Hosanna in the highest heaven. How do we get to this point? First of all, this is, this is Passover week in Jerusalem. Passover week in Jerusalem is a big deal. And Passover week, uh, the, the city of Jerusalem expands, especially at this time, to about ten times its size as people come to celebrate this, this Passover meal, the Passover festival. Uh, they, they, there's people everywhere. And Jesus has been just stirring up quite the storm as he's kind of making his way here. Remember, just, just even in the, in the Gospel of Matthew, we, we see Jesus healing people. We see blind people receiving sight. We see deaf people being able to hear. We see uh, lame people being able to walk. We see people healed of leprosy. We see demons cast out. We see dead people come back to life. We see all of these things that Jesus is doing in his ministry. And you can imagine that as all these things are happening, word is getting out. There's this Jesus guy. 
He's doing some unbelievable things, and he's on his way here to Jerusalem. Hosanna, they shout as he comes in. Hosanna literally means save us, rescue us. Why are they shouting this at Jesus? Why as Jesus coming in are they shouting things like save us, rescue us, Hosanna to the Son of David, Son of David, rescue us, save us. What do they need saving from? Why are they even, what are, what are they talking about? These people really thought that Jesus was the Messiah, which he was. But they had the wrong idea of what the Messiah meant. They were thinking that Jesus was going to come into town and overthrow the government and just everything would be nice and peachy keen for them as they were just going to be, they would no longer be oppressed. They would no longer be the less thens. They would be in charge. They would be the ones who had the power. They were looking for this. Jesus comes into town and, and, and he has a little different ideas. We're going to read about later and we're going to talk about next week. But, but this is what they're saying. They're saying, Hosanna, save us. These people in Jerusalem are, are being oppressed. They want, they want the power back. This is important. This, this claim, this, this yell of Hosanna, save us. It, it goes really to the core of what Passover is all about because Passover celebrates something that happened 1,500 years previous to this in Exodus. The people in Egypt are being oppressed. They're there in exile for 400 years and you can imagine what they're yelling out, what they're praying. Praying, God, save us. God, come rescue us. God, come, come take us out of this place. And you, can, you remember, God raises up a man in Moses and he sends them to Pharaoh to free his people, to rescue his people. Sends them to Pharaoh. He says, God says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, no. So God sends the plagues, ten plagues, each of which just shows the power of God. And the tenth one is the... The big one. It's the plague of death. If you want to turn to, to Exodus 11 with me, we'll, we'll read about this a little bit because this plays into what we're talking about this morning. Exodus chapter 11. Again, if you're in one of our pew Bibles on page 56. Exodus chapter 11. We're going to read just little snippets of this, of this plague. Starting at verse 1 in chapter 11. Now the Lord said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. After that, he will let you go from here. And what he does, he will drive, <clears throat> and what he does, he will drive you out completely. Tell the people, men and women alike, are, are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. The Lord made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and by the people. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. 
All these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you and all the people who follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. Skip to chapter 12 with me. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month to be for you, this month is to be for you the first month, the first month of the year, of your year. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the people there. There are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with what each person will eat. The animals you choose must be year-old males without defect, and you may take them from the sheep or the goats. Take care of them until the 14th day of the month, when all the members of the community of Israel must slaughter them at twilight. Then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides and the tops of the door frames of the houses where they eat the lambs. That same night, they are to eat the meat roasted over fire along with bitter herbs and bread made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or boiled in the water, but roast it over a fire with the head, legs, and internal organs. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some is left till morning, you must burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all, of God's, all, all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day you are to commemorate. For the generations to come, you shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. This festival that God is calling them to celebrate is the Passover. Because on this night, the angel passed over the homes of the Israelites. Each Passover celebration starts with with Lamb Selection Day. And on Lamb Selection Day, they would come, just as God teaches the first Israelites to do, they would go and they would choose their lamb. They would keep that lamb, and for four days, they would kind of prepare. Now on the fourth day, they would slaughter that lamb, and then they would begin the feast. So what are the odds that 1,500 years later, Jesus comes down the mountain into Jerusalem on Lamb Selection Day. And he rides into the city as people are shouting, Hosanna, save us, rescue us. You can just imagine God saying, here is my Lamb. And if you trust in the blood of this lamb, not only will you be saved from, from darkness, not only will you be saved from oppression, you will be saved from sin, you will be saved from everything because the blood of Jesus is what saves. This is, this is just a, a powerful thing here that God is, Jesus rides into town on Lamb Selection Day. 
I mean, this is, this is not, a, it's not uncommon to hear about uh, in the Bible. Scripture talk about Jesus as the Lamb. In fact, you know, I've been, I've been really looking into John this year. John chapter 1 introduces Jesus in this way. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said this. This is how John introduces Jesus. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Palm Sunday is more than just kind of the, the beginning of Holy Week and like the celebratory day. This is the day where we celebrate the Lamb of God coming in for us. The Lamb of God who's, in whose blood we trust for our deliverance, for our saving, for our salvation, for everything. Palm Sunday is the beginning of a, of a powerful week. I mean, and, and by Thursday of this week, in Holy Week, Thursday, remember the day, that, the day that the lambs are supposed to be slaughtered. The city of Jerusalem is just up in arms. They want Jesus dead. A lot of them do. And Jesus is in his upper room, and he's meeting with his disciples. Jesus understands that in about 10, 15 hours, he's going to be on the cross. He knows what is about to come. He knows why he was sent. He knows what he must do. Jesus understands that, and he's with his disciples. He knows the disciples are going to be lost. They're going to be confused. You can imagine at this point, Jesus, in the very last days of his ministry here on earth, in his very last moments with his disciples, is probably going to tell his disciples exactly what they need to be doing to keep carrying this thing on. If I was the leader of a group, if I was leader of a movement, as Jesus was, and I knew that I was going to be going away, and I wasn't going to be physically a part of this movement anymore, I would spend my last moments with the people that are going to be carrying on this movement, sharing exactly what it looks like to keep this movement going. And in the book of John, there are, there are five chapters of what Jesus says to his disciples. Chapters 13 and chapter 18 are, are pretty much the Last Supper here. And Jesus is, is sharing with his disciples. He's comforting his disciples. He's sharing with them what's going to happen next. The Holy Spirit is going to come. I have to go. If I don't go, the Holy Spirit can't come. The Holy Spirit needs to come. He's sharing with them. And what, not, what Jesus doesn't do, he doesn't sit down with them and be like, here's the ten, remember the ten, do the ten. Jesus doesn't give the disciples a list of, of do's and don'ts. He doesn't give them a bunch of just expectations in that way. In fact, even when he does talk about obedience, when he does talk about you need to be living the right way, it's not out of duty. It's not out of a list of do's and don'ts. It's out of love. Right in chapter, in chapter 14 of John, here's, here's what he says. Chapter 14, verse 23. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So is there, is there things that we do as Christians? Absolutely, 100%. Is there things that we don't do as Christians? Absolutely, 100%. Is there a way that we live because we follow Christ? Absolutely, 100%. But why? 
Because we have to? No. Because God loved us and we love him. Jesus, over these five chapters that he's in the Last Supper on this Thursday night with his disciples, talks a lot about love. In fact, there's, there's one passage I want to read with you this morning that I think kind of comes to the core of what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. It starts in chapter 15, John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be bear even so, sorry that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I and all, I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself; it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine; you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. As I have told you this, so that I have told you this, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. My command is this: Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give. This is my command. Love one another. These are the instructions. Love. Love each other. You can imagine if you were in Jesus' spot and you were trying to make sure that the movement you had started would go far into the future. You would probably have a road map, a plan that says on this day we do this, on this day we do this, this is the goal at the end of this, this is... Jesus says, this is my command to you. Love one another. Again, Jesus doesn't spend his last hours with the disciples reminding them of of a list of do's and don'ts. He doesn't remind them of the law. He doesn't remind them of the rules. He reminds them to love. He reminds them to stay in relationship with each other, stay in relationship with him. Apart from him, he says, you're not going to bear fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Stay with me. Be in relationship with me. This 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 is what Holy Week is all about. It's about staying in relationship with God, coming to grips with the fact that God wants to be in relationship with you so badly that he sent Jesus, his one and only son, to the earth 
to live the life that we could not live, to die the death that we deserve to die, so that we might live eternally in relationship with God our Father. Eternally means forever, and ever, and ever, and ever, and ever. This is, this is the goal. This is God's goal for us, that we would be with Him in relationship for eternity. Amen. How do we do that? Be in a relationship. Love. Love. And here's what we need to know. The disciples got this. They got the message loud and clear. For the next 200 years, the disciples and the people that followed them were focused on just maintaining relationship with God. It was about growing in relationship, growing in Christ-likeness, growing in relationship with each other, loving each other, loving the world around them. It was all about love. Throughout all of church history, there's been kind of a pendulum swing. At the beginning, we were really good about staying about the love. The pendulum swings about 200 years later. So now it's all about the rules. All about the stuff that we do when we don't do. Pendulum swings back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. This is essentially the history of the church. But Jesus is calling us to remain in him, to be in a relationship with him, to pursue that relationship. I mean, again, this, this is... This is what Jesus is calling us to. This is what Jesus reminds his disciples as he's about to go to the cross. Stay with me. Remain in me. Remember what I've taught you. Remember what we've done. Remember all of this. Just remain in me and I will remain in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. Be with Jesus. Be in a relationship with Jesus. See, Jesus came to introduce you and me to a relationship with God. That was the purpose of Jesus coming. To introduce us to this relationship and to make it possible. I shared a few weeks ago about God is light and we are not and what, what is the bridge in the middle? It's the life of Jesus. The sacrifice of Jesus that we're going to celebrate next week. This is, this is what it is. It's that he died for you in your place so that you can be in relationship with him. This is Easter. This is what Holy Week is. It's a reminder to you that Jesus came and died so that you might be in a relationship with God for eternity. So as we leave and as we, as we begin Holy Week today, and we begin this reflection this week of what it means to follow Christ and what does this sacrifice of Jesus mean for us. I, I, my prayer for you already this morning and, and yesterday has been this, that you would embrace your identity and your relationship with Christ. That this week you would, you would embrace the fact that you are loved by Jesus. So much so that he sent his son to die for you. And would that knowledge, would that grasp on that, would that change things in your life? Would you live as though you believe that you are loved by a God who sent his son to die for you? Would you embrace that? And would you refuse to, to interact with God based on, on rules? 
and instead make it about relationship. We talk all the time about the things that we have to do as Christians. We read our Bibles every day. Why? Because it's a rule? No. Because we love God and we want to know more about Him and what He has for our life. We pray every day. Why do we pray? Because we have to? No. Because we love God. And God loves us. And God invites us to be in communication with Him. Why, why come to church? Because we have to? No. Because we love God. And we know that Christ loves his church. And so we love the church. Amen. My prayer is that you would, you would just reflect this week on what it means to be in relationship with the creator, sustainer, loving God. What does that mean to you? How is your relationship with God? What is the basis of your relationship with God? Where do you stand in all of this? And my prayer is that as we celebrate Easter one week from right now, as we celebrate the, the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross and the victory over sin and death that we have through the blood of Jesus, that we would come next week and it would be personal. That we would know this sacrifice was, was for me. Jesus was on the cross for me. Jesus came and lived the life that I couldn't live. He died the death that I deserved to die so that I might live eternally with him. Just the, the power and the gravity of that. Let that just sink in this week. And as, as we come next week, my prayer is that you would just be so ready to celebrate with the believers, to lift up the name of Jesus and to just say thank you for the sacrifice.